Turn with me to John chapter 7, 37 through 39. 37 through 39. John chapter 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and what? John. Let's dive into the Word today and let's see what God wants to say. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. I love that. Anyone who is thirsty may come to Me. Anyone who believes in Me may come and drink. For the Scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from His heart. When He said living water, He was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in Him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into His glory. Let me give you some backdrop. In this passage, Jesus and all of His disciples were at a Jewish festival. The festival of shelters. Now we have to remember that Jesus was first Jewish. Do we realize that? Jesus was Jewish. He did every single thing that every single Jewish person had done. He went to the river, the Jordan, to be baptized because the Jewish people were called to what? Repentance. And so his whole life, when he was born, he was dedicated. He was anointed. When he grew up, he went to the temple and he stayed there longer than he should have. And his whole journey, he was doing every single thing that the Jewish people were doing. He was not above it. He was not more than it. He was the fulfillment of it. And so Jesus went to, to Jerusalem to celebrate. And while He was celebrating, He taught. People came to Him to hear Him as well. They went to the synagogues. They threw their parties. They ate so much food. They did all these things. They offered offerings and sacrifices. And as all this were going on, because of Jesus' authority and power, people were constantly coming up to Him and wanting more. Wanting more of Jesus. More of His words. And the beautiful thing about Jesus' words was they were the very same words from the Old Testament that every single rabbi was teaching from. He didn't do anything but fulfill it. And so His words when He spoke were a little bit more than just the others. Matter of fact, a lot more. And it's interesting because Jesus used a word. He said, for you who want, come and drink. In the Scriptures, in the Bible, there is no other emblem used more speaking about the Holy Spirit than water. We've learned about clouds and fire and dove and breath. And you'll see them scattered throughout the Scriptures, but there's one that stands alone. And if you've been reading your Bible and you know your Word right now, there are probably some images that are popping up in your head about water. Things that have happened. Things in the Gospel. Because water is one of the greatest emblems of defining the role of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to continue in this journey of learning who the Holy Spirit is. So that we just don't sing about wanting more, but that we would have more of Him 
And it's not that He's going to pour more upon us, but the more will bubble out of us in a way that we would know that God, Emmanuel, is what? That He's with us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue just allowing Scripture to tell us who He is so we can align ourselves with Him so that the fullness of God that is in the Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ would live in us. And do you know what we would be in return? We would be an emblem of God to the world. Have you ever thought of that? That's your role. That you are to be an emblem, a signpost, a light, an image of the power and presence of God for everyone to see. So turn with me now to Exodus chapter 17. Genesis, Exodus. Turn with me now to Exodus chapter 17, verse 5 and 6. And let me read. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. And I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. In this passage so far, what we have already been learning about is that the Israelites were released from Pharaoh, from Egypt. And they started on this journey of faith. And this journey of faith was going to be so much more than they could have ever imagined. And I believe that if they truly knew that all that they were going to have to go through to get to the promised land, that you would have a handful of them that said, yes, I will go for the adventure. But I bet you, a large majority of them would have rather stayed in Egypt. A large majority of them would have stayed in Egypt. And so here you have it when you get to Exodus chapter 17. The Israelites are traveling. They are traveling and they are going to the promised land. Some, a journey that was supposed to take 7 to 10 days. God was taking them on a 40 year journey to sharpen them, to mold them, and to make them into the people that God had prepared for the Messiah to come through. The lineage of Jesus came through the Israelites. And as they were traveling, they became thirsty. And we all know what thirst is, but we don't know what it is to be so parched that we are on the verge of death. And so whenever the Israelites began to become thirsty, they began to grumble. Just like our kids. Just like us. Imagine if we took away the coffee and the water on a Sunday morning, what would happen? Oh boy. But this thirst was so deep that they actually believed they were going to die. They truly thought that they were going to thirst to death. That they couldn't take it anymore and the grumbling began to get louder and louder and louder and louder. Until they put all of their frustrations and anger on one individual, Moses. And they went to Moses and they complained. And whenever you hear the complaining of the Israelites, 
It's always in the extremes. Maybe because it's written in the Scriptures. But it's always in the extremes. It's, it's at the last minute when they're saying, have you brought us out here to die? Have you taken us out of a place of safety? And Moses is thinking, didn't I take you out of a place of slavery? Have you brought us out here for our children to perish? And just like any of us, whenever people come to us in a place of such distraught and anger and putting blame on us, we too get angry and frustrated. And so often our faith is shaken. And the one thing is when you study the Old Testament, especially the Israelites' journey, you see a man who is so human. And every time that Moses went to God, he didn't go and say, God, you will bless us. God, you will pave the way. God, you have already provided all things and all I need to do is keep walking and moving. But if you look at the life of Moses, his faith was shaken too. But the only difference between Moses and the Israelites was that Moses always went to God with a petition and a praise. God, I don't think you can do it. But you're the only way out. God, have you failed me? But you couldn't have because you've taken me this far. And so Moses would go to God and he'd say, God, these people are going to kill me. God, these people hate me. God, I have lost favor. And every single time, God showed up. And God said, here's what I want you to do. You see that rock? The big one up on the hill. I want you to stand up on it. And what I want you to do is I want you to gather all the people. Because I'm going to do something. I'm going to surprise them. We would like to use the word miracle and supernatural, but God's just like, I'm just going to surprise them. And when you get there, just take your, take your staff and strike the rock. And so all these people were crowding around the rock. The crowd was huge. They were waiting. And Moses stood on the rock and he proclaimed that God was Jehovah Jireh, their provider. And he struck the rock. And the rock gushed with water. So much so that they were not just, their thirst was not just quenched, but it just gushed out like rivers flowing. Like the Colorado River on a good spring day. That everyone, every single person had more than enough. And of course, in that moment, the Israelites truly believed God does provide. And not only does He provide, but He provides abundantly. But you know what? The Israelites are no different than us. I mean, think about this. All the things that God had done for the Israelites. Imagine this. 
How could you never trust God again? If you were standing before a sea, and all of a sudden, your leader took a staff and raised it to the waters, and the waters parted. And as they walked through, the army came right behind them. And right when they crossed, and when the army was caught somewhere in the middles to three quarters of the way through, God turned the waters against their enemies to destroy them. But just like us, we are so short-sighted. And we are so selfish that if we don't believe that everything is met in the immediate, God is unreal. God's favor is not with us. And God does not care. That's a reality that I struggle with every day. Let's continue. Turn with me now to Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers 20. Let's see what happens again. Numbers 20, 6 through 8. You see, there's a theme. There's a theme all the way through Scripture that we need to begin to see. The thread does not begin with Jesus. The thread begins in Genesis. Numbers 20. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Not the same rock, not the same location, not the same place, but similar circumstances. The people again were now not complaining about themselves. They were complaining about their livestock. They were complaining about their futures. They were complaining about their vocations. They were complaining about their inheritance. They were complaining about everything and more. You ever notice that with God? That when God provides in one way, when something else happens, our complaints get a little bit bigger and a a little bit louder and a little bit more detailed. I mean, I remember when I became a Christian, it seemed like for the first three years, every little thing that I asked for, God provided. You ever feel that way? And it wasn't anything big. My prayers weren't threatening to God. My prayers weren't filled with anger. My prayers weren't filled with rage. But I would just be like, God, Dude, I didn't study. Can you help me with this test? That's not a real prayer, by the way. Just making sure you're awake. But in that, it literally seemed like everything that I asked, God showed up. And in many ways, it seemed like when I became more angry and self-focused, it seemed like things became a little bit further and further apart. And it's funny because now here's the same situation, same scenario, different location, different time, different part of the journey. And as these people complained, God said, I'll provide again. But I'm going to do it different. You see, they have too much hope in that staff. 
They've seen the staff with, with, with the river, with the, with the, with the, with the, with the ocean. Blah, 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 blah. We've seen it with the rock, all these different things. Now, all you need to do, Moses and Aaron, is speak to that rock. I'm going to make your word so powerful that water will come out. God provided again. And not only did He provide this time, but there's something very unique that happened. Everywhere the Israelites went, God provided for their necessities. And the most important one was water. Do you know when they would travel, and there's other passages that we can look at, I believe it's in number 17, there's, there's many different ones along the way that, that as the people traveled, God would say, dig right here. You're in the desert. Dig right here. And water sprung up. And it was almost as if everywhere that the Israelites went, they didn't see the river leading them. But there was a river underneath them that guided every single thing. You remember when you were little, they don't have these kind of toys now because they're just not really cool. Remember those little magnet cars that you would put on that, that, that wood table and it would follow everywhere you would go and the car would only go where the magnet went? And if you took it off, you'd be like, and it wouldn't do anything. But if you were on that magnet, it would take you all the way around the course. And it was as if that's what God had done with His provisions. Everywhere the Israelites went, even though they didn't see His provisions, God provided. It was right underneath them. And when you study the Old Testament and you study the Israelites, there are wells that are dug all over that territory and they call them Ebenezer's. They are signposts of God's faithfulness. The well of Jacob. All these different wells that you would go and you would watch. And God led the people to the promised land. Every single place they went that they were actually following an underground river which was his provisions. I mean, think about this. Is there any moisture in rocks? None. That's why they hurt when you get hit by them. None. If you break a rock and shatter a rock, there's no moisture in it. And God said, I am going to prove myself in such a means that I am going to use that which would never, ever be thought of to provide for their needs in a way that will, that it will shock them to know that I am God and I am the provider and I am the one who has sent them on this journey of faith. Side note, I don't think you believe that God was the one who initiated your journey of faith. I don't think you believe that. Because oftentimes, I don't think I believe that. I think I found Jesus. I think I pray to Jesus. 
I think that I'm doing God's will in a manner that I thought was best for the kingdom when all along it was all God, all the time, everywhere. God invited me. God introduced Himself to me. And my responsibility was to choose to step into His river and follow the unseen to the place that He has prepared. I love that imagery. Isn't that a a stinking cool imagery? Like seriously, just think about that. Think about that every single place that they went, there was like this supernatural river that was literally like the yellow brick road that took them to the promised land. And it took them right where they were supposed to be. So why is this image so important? Why is this whole idea of water so essential to understanding who God is? Let's talk about our need for water. In normal conditions, in normal temperatures, in normal situations, we could go, out with, we could go without food for a, a long period of time. But you can't go without water for that long. And the moments that the elements are changed, all bets are off. I mean, think about this with kids. When you leave a baby in in heat, they get dehydrated to the point of death. And that's not days. that's, That's a short period of time. No one ever thinks they're going to leave their car for something horrific like that to happen. I mean, think about it when you go to the beach. You know, a normal day, you may last a couple hours, but when you're at the beach, you're just pounding that water. Do you know what they say, how much of our body is made up of water? They say over 64% of our body. Let me just give you some real statistics. The brain and the heart are composed of 73% water, and the lungs are composed of 83% of water. The skin contains 64% water, and muscle and kidneys are 79% water. And even the bones, our bones, contain 31% of water. Isn't it amazing that when, when God talks about the greatest emblem of Himself, that naturally that we are made up of that same emblem? That the most important image in Scripture, the vast majority of who we are, is made up of. Talk about intimacy. Talk about that after the garden and everything happened, that he was going to set us on a course to not only show us the need that we have, but his longing for us to be in a right relationship with him. And he did that with an emblem that meant more to him than anything else. These stories are timeless. 
And I love when I look at Scripture how this is so much of what we read. Look at this one psalm, Psalm 63.1. Listen to what David wrote. O God, You are my God. I earnestly search for You. My soul thirsts for You. My whole body longs for You in this parched and weary land where there's no water. Listen to what else he wrote. And this is something that we all know, Psalm 42. As the deer longs, as the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you. Isn't it funny how like there's certain favorite sodas that we have? Dr. Pepper, root beer, fill in the gap. There's certain things that we love to take into our lives to quench our thirst. Remember boys when uh, Gatorade gum came out? said that it took away the quench and really made it worse. <laughs> seriously, sometimes, seriously, side note, when I go to Sports Authority, they sell like the single ones. I'm like, yeah, I'm really thirsty and it does not work. But we fill our lives with so many things that we truly believe will take that thirst away. Relationships. I know, I know I repeat a lot of stuff, but this is real. Relationships. Money. Our vocation. Sexuality. There's so many things that, that, that we are longing to fill us. And there's never enough. There's never enough. And I truly believe that that's how God wired us. That He wired us that the only thing just like the garden, the only thing that filled Adam and Eve was His presence. The moment His presence was pulled, they became eternally thirsty. They thought that apple with all that moisture and juice was going to fill them up. But it actually made them more thirsty. Let's go back to the very beginning. Let's make a full circle. In John, that first passage I read, Jesus had said the very words. He said, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the Scriptures declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Think about all the stories in the Gospel. The woman at the well. She was at the well by herself because she was living in sin. And the other women in the community did not want to be with her. So she went by herself at the well and kept trying to take care of her own needs by herself in her own way. And Jesus said, that water won't fill you up. Think about the pool of Bethesda. People were waiting for that water to be stirred. And right when it was stirred, they would fight and fight and fight for the first person to be brought into it. And Jesus is like, that water is not going to heal you. I got a water that will fully heal you permanently, 
forever. One of the hardest things about living in our context is we want 12 steps to fullness. And honestly, I think sometimes these are the hardest sermons to to preach. Because I don't have 12 applications for you. I literally, when I was finishing just my preparation, I was, I was shaking and I called Jeremy. I'm like, Jeremy, I need you to read this. Let me know if I'm going in the right place. Because we want application that I give you a glass, I hand you the, the jug for you to pour the water in. You see, there's only one glass and there's only one jug. You are the glass. You are the Nalgene bottle. You are the canteen. You are that which God wants to pour His presence into. And the only thing that will fill you up Just like our bodies need, our bones need it, our lungs need it, our hearts need it, our brains need it. We need it too. And that's water. God's Holy Spirit. Do you remember I taught about breath? Remember I taught about breath? Remember that? Brought in the bagpiper? Do you know every time we exhale, we are exhaling moisture? And every time God speaks, He is pouring water, His life, into us. Let me give you a really disjointed conclusion. Thanks. God wants to fill you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet to the extension of your arms. He wants to fill your breath. He wants to fill your life. He wants to fill every single part of who you are. You cannot be like the Israelites. You cannot be like the people at the Feast of Shelters. Always there. Always out there. Always one more thing. Always adding something to your schedule that is holy and godly. Because God is here. And everywhere you step as a follower of Jesus, God is there. And we oftentimes think that we are empty and we are poured out. If our lives are living in the presence of the living God, God is always wanting to fill us as He pours us out to others. And too often... We shift this thing on and off. 
where God is with us or He's against us. But I'm telling you today, God wants to pour into your life and fill you in such a manner that nothing, nothing can quench your needs and your thirst more than Him. Nothing. Nothing can quench your needs or your thirsts more than Him. Not your spouse, not your vocation, not your finances, not your children. Oh no, you did not go there. I don't care what it is. There is nothing in this life that can take away that deep thirst like God can. And until you get to that place, you will never experience the fullness of God in your life. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. Yeehaw! I got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well. Within my soul. Spring up, oh well. And make me whole. Spring up, oh well. And give to me that life abundantly. You guys got to go old school, man. I'm serious. I wish I could be Moses and hit that rock. But I got something better for you. His name is the Holy Spirit. All you who are weary, all you who are thirsty, it's time to start drinking from the living God. I have this sense in the room, and I've had this recently. I'm going to end with this. That God is up to something so new. I could be totally wrong. Something could be messed up in me. Maybe I need to see a doctor. But I really believe that God is wanting something new. Something new. And it begins with repentance. There are some of you today that just need to stop and say, God, you're not my living water. You're not. But today, fill me up. Fill me up. That you're all I need. You're all I want. You're all I have. Communion is very routine. 
It's not going to be today. Today I'm going to haunt you. That if you come up here today and you take the Lord's Supper, you are going to thirst until God's presence is the only thing that quenches you. And I really believe that every time we come to the Lord's table, that's the attitude and posture we have to have. Jesus, You are my cup. Jesus, You fill me like nothing else. And Jesus, when I give my life to You, You're the only thing that will quench me.